1: welcome to on texas football i'm bobby burton your host joined today by inside texas's x's and o's expert uh ian boyd ian how you doing today? doing good good i had three things we wanted to talk about uh three kind of uh starting off with offensive firepower for texas next year uh, I wrote on Thursday just a short tidbit that after thinking about, it, I really and in talking to you and Eric, I really believe that Texas is going to be uh, a stronger downfield passing team this this season than they were a year ago. That's number one. And I want to talk about a little bit about why, and combine that with your thoughts along with some of what Eric reported earlier on Friday, uh, and then I also want to get into two other things: Big Twelve firepower in general. You you did a piece this week uh, that talked not only about. Uh, the rushing yards gained uh, by people in the Big 12 last year, but looking at the incoming quarterbacks, some of the new quarterbacks like Dylan Gabriel at OU, Adrian Martinez, those guys at, at K-State, I want to talk about that. And then uh, I want to finish up with something that, that uh, is actually another piece of the puzzle here, uh, and that is the interior of the Texas defensive front last year was highly unproductive, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's a detail that you pointed out, and you had some very interesting stats that I think uh, illuminated that. But let's start right now with that offensive firepower. Uh, And as I mentioned, uh, Ian, I was really impressed. I've been impressed with with what you and and Eric have been harping on, for lack of a better term, Uh, what Isaiah Nayor brings to this um, uh, situation from a downfield threat what potentially Quinn Ewers brings uh, and then what a healthy Jordan Whittington helps offset that with, as well as you have a, a guy like B. John Robinson in the backfield that that they're going to try to, you know, create some power running opportunities for. Um, you know, I, I look and think of all of that, uh, Ian. And, you know, I'm starting to, to get on your side a little bit about how I think that there could be, I don't want to say a quantum shift, but a significant one uh, from Texas in this report, Why are you so, why are you so convinced, I guess, that you think that's going to be the, be the reason that, or that that will happen this come, upcoming year?
2: I think definitely a part of it is that the quarterback is going to be, unless something goes terribly wrong, Quinn Ewers or Hudson card. So immediately you have a different design to the offense. Casey Thompson, Definitely had some strengths as a passer. Maybe Nebraska will uh, allow him to fit into a, a more natural system for him. But he was not pushing the ball down the field really all year. And definitely after the, the thumb injury, which seemed to wax and wane in severity over the course of the year um, as he, you know, he took some hits to it down the, down the stretch. There were games where he could not push the ball outside we couldn't push the ball down the field you know they'd get in the red zone and he'd get picked trying to hit windows anyway um Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers have different skill sets and Casey Thompson they can both push the ball down the field and uh the addition of Naor is pretty significant in that if teams wanted to double Xavier Worthy and keep the safety deep to his side they're not going to be able to do not but match up one-on-one with Nayor or try to defend the run with even numbers in the box. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see how teams pick their poison there and how they're, they try to navigate that. But uh, I mean, just the end of the day, they have, they can put extreme stress on um, far ends of the field. If you have Worthy and Nayor on opposite ends of the field and quarterbacks that can throw the ball outside the hash marks, then you have to worry about that. And then they have obviously, uh, Junior Angalau, Jake Majors, and then Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. So something has to give. And uh, when you do that, you just create really simple opportunities for easy offense.
1: So so how does that tie in? Eric reported something in today's Humidor on Inside Texas. Uh, it's a weekly, uh, if, you don't want, if you don't have a subscription to Inside Texas, the Humidor is an, uh, a weekly look uh, behind the scenes, uh, actually, at some things that are going on at, in the University of Texas that aren't necessarily always public. Eric reported that, unsurprisingly, Xavier Worthy is the team's fastest player early this spring. But somewhat surprisingly, the second fastest player is Jordan Whittington at 210 pounds. Yeah. I mean, him in the slot, you know, that's starting to look, if he can stay healthy, obviously, that's starting to look more like a prolific you know, big-time offense, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, the, the Jordan Whittington fit in the offense is fascinating. I actually um, – I was asked by an online Aggie, Mark Roberts, who the fastest players on the Texas team were, and I said, you know, Xavier Worthy, and then I'm not sure. He guessed Whittington as number two, to his credit. Iowa I had always understood Whittington to be limited top-end speed but exceptional change of direction quickness. But uh, I don't know, maybe just now that he's healthy, uh, we're seeing some top-end speed as well. It's going to be really interesting to see how they fit him into the concept. Obviously, he's a slot. Eric's been calling him a slot machine because he's built to – You know, he played running back when he first came. He can take a high volume, theoretically, of catches in the slot and in the middle of the field. Um, That is extremely useful in this offense because – a lot of times when you want to take a deep shot, you want your slot to be able to hold the safety, so then the corner's one-on-one with the outside receiver. Um, usually for most offenses, it's better to have that middle-of-the-field slot than to have another dominant outside receiver. But it seems they could have all three, and uh, that's going to be huge for... I think Quinn Ewers can hit. He's got such a cannon that having two great outside receivers is a, is a great fit for him. The Hudson card, I think, really benefits in particular from Jordan Whittington standing out in this offense. And you have to wonder to what extent RPOs take a greater role in the offense this year. If you have that guy consistently running uh, slants in the middle of the field. My,
1: you know, I think that that here's something to say about Jordan Whittington. He gets knocked quite a bit because he's often injured. Right. But what, what people need to understand is that Jordan Whittington may be the hardest worker on the team. I mean, he is a, I mean, he, he doesn't miss a day of working out. And so the fact that he may have increased his speed or gotten faster over time is not surprising to a lot of us. Uh, A lot of us actually think that his tendency or proclivity to work out so much is, is part of the reason why his body is getting so beat up.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: easily because it just, it, there's a max that your body can do. And he always seems to to try to, to, to tempt fate a little bit there. Um, like but my other, yeah. you mentioned as part of that, and, and this is where I think a lot of Texas fans will have uh, some caution, I guess is the best way to put it uh, in. Um, and that's, you also mentioned Jake majors and junior Angola as part of that mix. And any passing offense, uh, the RPO stuff helps uh, limit the need for a, a, a great offensive line, right? But the outside <laughs> yeah. game, the outside game does require some some uh, ability to keep them. And I and I think that while the Texas offensive line is not great, they're at least going to be good enough. And then you add in Bijan Robinson and the fact that people are gonna to have to play him. I mean, Bijan Robinson is too good, uh, you know, to not play straight up, I think at some level, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how teams pick their poison, but um, for, for certain last year, teams would focus on Bijan Robinson. I would assume that opponents will focus on Bijan Robinson until Texas makes them choose otherwise which they could because, you know, six yards a carry is not as bad as six yards a throw or six, sorry, six points a throw um, when you're throwing a deep, but uh, yeah, I would assume that they're going to continue to do whatever they can to load the box.
1: Gotcha. Um, Eric also reporting uh, that uh, he's hearing some positive uh, early feedback on Jalen Garth, another right. offensive lineman. He said that uh, Garth has made some, some waves. That would be a big, Big pickup the the offensive lineman from Port natchez Groves uh, came into Texas injured, uh, and then uh, you know he's also the the move earlier this week of Sawyer Gorham Welch to offensive line uh, that uh, is uh, clear that Texas trying to shore up the offense a little bit. Uh, you can really well. say,
2: I, I mean, honestly, that Texas is adding. Um, They they might—they might—they're adding two big-time players this spring on the offensive line who could have a significant impact this year. And I mean, Jalen Garth was around in the fall, but he's healthier now. And then Sawyer, Gorm Welch. I don't know how quickly he's going to take to offensive line and what that looks like. He's probably going to get all the reps he can stomach. So I mean, for all the hype about the freshman class, which well deserved. I mean, those two guys may be the story of the season because they're here. And they're older, yeah. So that, those could be significant. We'll we'll see how spring shakes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're neither one of them are penciled to start by any stretch, but at the same time, Jalen Garth it has some talent that maybe yeah. you know, if it's being unearthed or uh, polished right now, uh, would be a pleasant surprise. I thought that was an interesting note from Eric in today's Humidor. Uh, he was
2: probably but... the the most obviously talented pass protector. Between him, Carich, and Jones coming out of high school, would be Garth. Gotcha. He had to okay. overcome that knee, but
1: you know. Yeah. No, I had a friend of mine that went by Portnacious Grove, a college coaching friend of mine that went by Portnacious Grove. He goes, well, I can tell you, Roshan Johnson is not a quarterback. He's a great athlete. He goes, but the guy I really like is that junior offensive lineman, and that obviously Roshan was a senior when when uh, uh, Jalen Garth was a junior, so. Uh, we'll see. They, he The coach offered Jalen Garth, did not offer Roshan Johnson, by the way. Uh, I think that's uh, important to note. Um, let's go to the defense. We said we would uh, hit on the defense a little bit. You wrote uh, something that I found really interesting this week, uh, Ian, and I'm going to give the stats here so that you can kind of riff off of that and uh, kind of tell people what you were thinking. Um, last year, Texas played with Keandre Coburn. And Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat at the nose, along with uh, Moro Ojimo, Vernon Broughton, and then sweat went back and forth between the three technique a little bit, right? So they yeah. had those were the top five interior guys for Texas last year. Combined, those five guys accounted for 11 tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. okay? So five guys, 11 tackles for loss. Um,
2: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply
1: malcolm brown the you know you can say what you want but the last true blue chip guy even though puna ford has been tremendous in the in in the pro ranks um malcolm brown in 2014 himself accounted for more tackles for loss and more sacks just one person instead of five uh brown with 13 tackles for loss in that season five and a half himself uh, and he, even important to note, and you you singled this guy out, Byron Murphy, who was a, he didn't play much early in the season and got more time as the year went on. He actually led that group with three and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. Take Byron Murphy's numbers out of that, and those four guys' numbers look even worse. Um, so I'm going to give, I'm going to kind of give you the floor and setting that up. What does all that mean Within the context of the Texas defense, and maybe what we might be able to expect going forward.
2: Well, one definitely one interesting quirk to that is that I don't know how well people remember the 2014 defense where Malcolm Brown put up those stats, but the 2014 defense spent a lot of time uh, dropping eight and rushing three, and they it was Cedric Reed, Hassan Ridgeway at the nose, and Malcolm Brown as an end tackle. It would move around, um, but they would drop eight. They had. NFL players across the back end, you know, Quandre Diggs, Michael Thompson, Steve Steve Edmond, Jordan Hicks, and um, because the surrounding talent was good, and they could force the quarterbacks to hold the ball is partly why he was so dominant, Um, and beyond the fact that he is, like you said, probably the best defensive, I don't think we've had a defensive tackle that good at Texas since Malcolm Brown. I think part of the reason for the low production from the interior defensive line this last season for Texas was just the fact that opponents were able to marginalize their impact because Texas was so bad defending off tackle runs outside because Texas was not able to force quarterbacks to hold the ball when they're throwing, get past their first read in enough time for someone to get an interior pass rush. And I think also, um, the better pass rushers for texas were often doubled and uh, moro ojimo got doubled so much more than a three technique should ever be double teamed because normally a three technique is paired with uh often a weak side defensive end who's the top pass rusher or at least a end that is a pass rusher and uh teams are just not afraid to single up texas on the outside and focus inside i, I uh I made a gif of a snap against West Virginia the other week where uh, uh, West Virginia's freshman blue chip right tackle soloed up Bogofu, erased him. Um, They doubled Ojimo, and then they started to double Coburn, but Coburn gave up on his move pretty fast. So then the guard went over and uh, bailed out the left tackle who was struggling with, um, I think it might have been Jet Bush. And you just know that's just playing out over and over and over again Coburn, fantastic run defender. I think underrated, but um if you watch his pass rush, you do see why people get frustrated with him. Because it's just is very come and go and inconsistent. And um, you know, it's just a, that's a lot of confounding factors adding up. I don't I don't think any of these guys were as good as Malcolm Brown, obviously, but I do think they were a lot better maybe than the lack of production show, just because it was so easy to uh punish Texas elsewhere and to not let those guys control games. Yeah. And so this is where it got interesting to
1: me because you started to, you know, what I liked about your article is then you got into the fact of, okay, how do we mitigate these, this issue? How do we, how do we change? Because largely those are going to be the same people next year. Um, Byron Murphy will likely be better. Um, Ke- uh, Mor- Moro Ojoma will likely be better. So will to Vondre st- Sweat. Those guys will likely be better next year, but you know how do we make the pieces? How are the, the pieces around them get better? Is someone like Alfred Collins brought into that group as well to be a possibility? How does Texas improve its production from that group? Uh, is it you know to your to hear you? It almost sounds like uh, some of that has to do with the supporting cast around them and. You know, it all pl- plays off one another. So what what does Texas do to change it? You
2: could probably rank order the three biggest changes they can make for next season that would allow their interior defensive line to be more impactful in a way that you can see on the stat sheet. Would be, uh, one, getting better on the edge. Um, well, I don't know about the specific order. I'll just go through them. Two, a second one would be uh, improving the coverage. You got to make the quarterback hold the ball. You can see this over and over again in the Todd Orlando era um, where he would just, you know, he was blitzing from everywhere. It drove people crazy. But uh, the interesting thing, like you watch them against LSU and they would get pressure. If against LSU, against everyone on the schedule, those blitzes were getting pressure, but they were not getting pressure faster than the quarterback could find an open receiver. Because uh, they, they would just not take away the, the easy read. So you got to take away the easy read. That's probably the most important thing in pass rush period. And then Alfred Collins to defensive tackle is another one. I, those three each could have enormous impact. I think uh, Alfred Collins really putting it together as a three technique could have, you know, he's the, he's the closest to Malcolm Brown they've had since him. I don't think they've had, you can maybe your memory's a little sharper. I don't think they've had anyone like Malcolm Brown other than Alfred Collins, with that level of size and coordination and athletic ability, all packaged into one enormous frame. So yeah, and I
1: agree with you on that. And I think that what I would say um, to you is this: is that as we look at um, this situation uh, and talk about it, getting it's easy to talk about Alfred Collins. It's easy to talk about improving coverage. How do you get better on the edge other than just new personnel? I mean, yeah. O'Shawn Mathis from TCU comes to mind, right? And, and then you also have uh, other people that, that, that are possibly coming on. Eric Nalin is really high on um, Baron Sorrell. Uh, Justice Finkley is incoming. Ovio Gofu, obviously, you hope he'll get better next year. How does, uh, Derek Harris is another one uh, that showed some uh, uh, ability to rest the pasture a year ago. How do you get into that situation, Ian, where you know that you've gotten enough better, I guess? (laughs) How do you, where, where, like, how much better does Texas need to get? Because I thought they were horrible last year on the edge, right? I mean, so how much better to get more value out of the interior, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because I do think, I look at it, and I think, to your point, Keandre Coburn's good against the run. Not a, does not push the, the pocket enough in, in pass rush. Byron Murphy's good against both. I think he pushes the pocket. Uh, yeah. Tavondre Sweat has not become what he could be, even though he's extraordinarily talented. So you look at all that, how, good did they, how much better do they have to be on the edge to even matter up the middle?
2: I think Mathis would actually pretty much cut it. If you have one guy <laughs> <Yeah>. out there.
1: <laughs> That's... That's crazy to me, but that, I mean, I, you know.
2: Yeah, like, uh, okay, take uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma had a fantastic defensive line last year, but it would uh, sort of come and go based on who they put where. Um, if people are unfamiliar, that Alex Grinch's strategy at Oklahoma is he would play like lighter athletes at every single position on the defensive line. Their no-stackle was their biggest guy, and he was like 290. Um with the times they play even lighter guys than that. And then they would play like 270 pound tackles, et cetera. And uh, they had a, a injury. They lost Ronnie Perkins for a little bit. And um, they had to play with uh, like they, one of their four guys up front was a guy that was not as difficult to deal with for a little spell there. And their whole defensive line just kind of fell off for a minute until they got, um, they like moved against Texas. They like moved Isaiah Thomas one position switched out a guy, and then all of a sudden it was just overwhelming and Texas couldn't do anything because there was just nowhere you could send help from without risking the whole play getting blown up by badly losing a one-on-one. Um, with Texas last year, not the case. Like, no matter, no matter if Ojemo had a really good snap or maybe Coburn had a particularly spirited snap for once inside, but it just wouldn't matter because teams could mitigate it because there would be somewhere else where they could draw help from. Um, you stick Mathis out there is a consistent threat on the edge and that's you're just locking down help and then when there's a when there's a good snap from Ogofu, or there's a um you know a guard gets a bad jump against ojimo or collins or something and just things start to snowball you get maybe a tackle for loss you get a sack everyone's energy comes up you know so i do think i do think that is is as unbelievable as that may sound that is that would be really significant they, they also they could stand to um get a boost just from having more depth on the edge like sorel being consistently better than he was last year so that you have those snaps those when mathis if he comes is not on the field um i think the quality of pass rush from the the younger guys is going to be higher than Texas had last year as they become acclimated. A GoFu, I think, can definitely get a lot better. This this is a guy that played in a different system at Notre Dame, played two positions for Texas last year. So there's definitely a lot of places that they can draw improvement from, but there's not going to be massive improvement unless they add one guy that's going to consistently beat one-on-one matchups. And that Mathis is the obvious contender for that.
1: Justice Finkley coming in too. I mean I yeah, guess it's Finkley. Interesting. so the three things you mentioned getting better off the edge that's probably personnel. Yes. That's what that's essentially what you mean. Yes. Improving coverage theoretically so they have so the quarterback has to hold the ball longer. That was the other thing you mentioned. This is the second year in the defense. It should be you know the the secondary should have a better understanding of what their coaches are teaching at this point, theoretically, right? Even if the personnel is different or
2: whatever. If they're having problems again on third down, then that's when, you're, that's when you start looking for Gary Patterson to end up being asked to take over. Interesting. It, it, they have good enough players in the defensive backfield where they should be able to force a quarterback past his first read. They have, they have athletes. It's just a matter of people being in the right spots and knowing where to be gotcha that's one of those things people get mad about they're like how come texas has all this talent how come they're not better well on the edge they don't have that much talent or they didn't last year but the difference of backfield there's no excuses for not playing coordinated pass defense Yep.
1: Yeah. and then the third piece is alfred collins which is a wild card essentially right i mean it's up to him uh yeah To get better and and fulfill his promise right i mean i think that's that, that is a, in itself is a, is a big statement because you are talking about a, 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 a five-star guy that talent-wise is as talented as anybody that Texas has on the roster, and that includes Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. I mean, he is that level of talent, and he just needs to step up. This, is, uh, this will be his uh, second full year or third full year, I guess, now uh, he's going into it. Of not playing any other sports, so we'll see if his body transforms and takes to the weight training, et cetera. All right, moving on now. I want to talk about this article that you wrote that I thought was really a, a good good stuff. It talked about you know the 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 amount of firepower and new quarterbacks coming in. Uh, you you mentioned a couple of them. You started with uh, into the Big Twelve. You started with Quinn Ewers, and I don't want to belabor uh, Quinn Ewers too much. Uh, because we we all we've talked about him at length, uh, but the other guys that that I do want to get into are some guys that are going to hold the keys, so to speak, to the Big 12 title run that Texas would hopefully make. Uh, let's start with Dylan Gabriel, who looks like he's going to be uh, the no question starter at OU this year. Uh, he transfers in from Central Florida. He has some uh, knowledge of Jeff Levy because he was Levy's offensive coordinator. or He was at Levy's quarterback at Central Florida, uh, and they ran up some uh, ridiculous stats there. So what does Dylan Gabriel bring to the table at OU that we need to be aware of?
2: He's really similar to like a uh, Bryce Petty. It's the same offensive system that Hypol took at Levy. Um, Lebby, I believe, was at Baylor at one point, if I'm not mistaken, directly under Briles' learning system, and um, that's the system they run. You know, it's it's been eight years, so there's some changes. He worked with Lane Kiffin, for sure. He took some things up. Lane Kiffin runs the version of the system as well. Uh, he hired Kindle Briles in the past, and and downloaded half of it to his brain, I guess. But um, so he's he's of that mold. He's uh, he's got a strong arm. Um, He's actually pretty good on the move. He can scramble a little bit, make something happen, usually to throw the ball. But mostly what he brings is just – it's like that when Browse was plugging in older quarterbacks and they were all throwing for 4,000 yards or when Mike Leach was doing that at Tech. He brings three full years as a starter in this offense. And um, the offense is all about, you know, power run inside, super wide splits for the receivers, chuck it down the field, throw to the one-on-one, throw it where they ain't kind of system. Um, so knowing how it works, making a little extra something happen with your legs, strong arm, it's, it's perfect for a good athlete or just a good distributor at quarterback at the college level. I don't think he's going to get NFL tension. We're definitely going to see an end of the Oklahoma quarterbacks drafted in the first round kind of deal with uh, Gabriel. And maybe from here on out, we won't see that so much anymore, I kind of suspect. But, so um, let
1: me, Ian, it's important because you mentioned Kendall Bryles. Kendall Bryles, obviously the offense coordinator last year at Arkansas. Yeah. And Texas got absolutely throttled in Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, couldn't do anything on offense. Couldn't do anything on defense in the second half. Um, you know, are, are there going to be some similarities there? Again, is that going to come down to that defensive end? Because it, it, if I remember correctly <coughs> – Texas got ran on hard in the second half against Arkansas, especially on the edges.
2: That'd be worth re-looking at. Um, I think the first half, they were actually decent, and then I think they just kind of gave up when the offense couldn't do anything. It really felt like they just, they just gave up, honestly. Um, you know, they lost their will. They And then they had, they had huge containment issues. I think people recall that was like the first – horrifying example of gofu getting way upfield and giving up a like wide open cutback lane that arkansas exploited i don't uh i don't think it's necessarily going to be a huge concern for texas facing that offensive system um it'll be uh, pete kwiatkowski probably didn't face a ton of it in uh washington but gary patterson certainly has and uh, it's really just about Either having a system that can allow you to confuse the quarterback, um, there were a bunch of teams playing that new three safety three three five defense against UCF now, and uh, UCF had some real problems with it because it made it hard. It, normally, it's everything is really obvious where the ball is supposed to go because the receivers are so far out. The defense has to split out to match, and then it's like it's easy to count the box and figure out where to where to go with the ball. The three safety defense just took a lot of that away, and uh, Gabriel struggled with it. So um, I really got off on a tangent there. No, that's
1: yeah. a, no. That, I think I think that. Texas fan wants to hear about a possible OU struggle. So don't, don't, don't I don't think that's a tangent. They, you know, there were probably some smiles or snickers behind there. Yeah, I like this. Oh um, yeah, I
2: mean I've seen Oklahoma fans be. You know, Oklahoma fans are convinced now that Riley was an idiot who didn't know what he was doing, uh, and they're going to be so much better now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've got I've news some, for them. Um, uh, that That's dude great. can move the football against just about anybody. I mean, he he uh, he was a a little bit of a witch on offense. Hey, uh, the second one that I think is important because I also think this this uh, is a new quarterback, and it could be a team that contends for this for the Big Twelve title, whether people realize it or not. Did I convince they have, you? Yeah. What's that?
2: Did I convince you? Uh, no, not really. I I
1: think that they're. I think Kansas State has some pieces. I would be concerned that they don't have enough of them over a, uh, a period of time that, that, that really matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, K-State, uh, and the reason we're talking about the, the Wildcats, they, they're bringing in Adrian Martinez as a grad transfer from Nebraska. Like Gabriel, uh, Martinez has started several years. Uh, and uh, you mentioned that he's very similar to the, to the quarterback they're losing, Skylar Thompson. Um, so what do you see from Adrian Martinez and how he'll fit at Kansas State? Because Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn is a player. They have the edge guy at defensive end that I think is, you know, terrific, young yeah. player um, that may lead the Big 12 in sacks next year if I'm, you know, good. Uh, so what, what are you seeing there from, from Adrian Martinez and where people, uh, the new transfer quarterback from K-State, and how it really might affect Texas and uh, league, the league in general.
2: Adrian Martinez, another comparison I made is he's like a JT Barrett with a stronger arm, but worse decision-making. <laughs> Barrett, was a, Barrett was a pretty good you know, field general, but you know, then he'd throw the ball down the field, and you'd be like, oh, man, what, is, what was that? How is this guy a starter? You know, but he could run. He was good. He was a good player. Adrian Martinez is a similar sort of player. He's tough. He can run between the tackles. He's very quick. He's very um, uh, similar to you know Hudson Card. I've have, I haven't seen Hudson Card really ever pull away from anyone in the open field, but his initial movements and change of direction are very good. Martinez is like that, only he's a lot thicker. So in addition to being able to to put a move on people like Card, he can also run through arm tackles and and hold up taking hits. So it's a really good fit for their offense. They want to run a lot of option schemes. Um I think ideally when you have a running back like Deuce Vaughn, who's such a terror on the edges, you want the quarterback to be a threat inside. So that you can when you run option, you can you can invert the option where the quarterback is the inside runner and the running back is the outside runner. Um that's a really good fit for them. Uh, Colin Klein is now their offensive coordinator. So, you know, Colin Klein has – that's that's what Kansas State was when he was the quarterback. He would run inside, and they had a um, – I can't remember the name of their running back, but they had another little – one of their endless supply of 5'8", 180-pound water bugs at running back. Um, so he's it's a really good fit for what Klein is in, inevitably going to want to do. And Martinez has a lot of experience. Um Three years as a starter in the Big Ten is not something to turn your nose up at. And uh, their receivers are all back as well. So I think that they have the potential to probably be about as dangerous as they would have been had Skylar Thompson been able to stay healthy for full seasons. And I think the one year Skylar Thompson was healthy for Chris Kleiman, they won like nine games. Is that right? Yep. I, I think they could be back in that realm maybe even a little better because the rest of the team is, I think, a little better than it was back then.
1: What's interesting to me and just thinking about it, one of the things I, I thought about when I read your article was the, the two the, – the three most experienced quarterbacks in the league next year will be Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State, and then these two, Adrian these two. Martinez and Dylan Gabriel. So, I mean, nobody else is as experienced – uh, KU, no, new quarterback at Iowa State. Uh, Jerry Bohannon, uh, or Gary Bohannon, excuse me, uh, is has experience and even helped lead his team to a Big 12 championship, but only one year of starter. No at Texas Tech, no at Texas, no at TCU. It looks like Chandler Morris might beat out Max Duggan. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I feel like uh, it's important to think about those two Not those two programs, not necessarily having freshman quarterbacks or new quarterbacks as they do experienced quarterbacks. Uh, So and both uh, the the other key to it. And this is something that you're mentioning is both of them fit the style of the programs they're going into, uh, which could uh, mean even more bonus for for our more additional value that they can extract from them. Um, All right uh, Ian, that's going to be it for, for X's and O's today. Uh, you know, the, the interior of the Texas defense, I thought it was interesting. Just the stat alone, 11 tackles for loss last year, four and a half sacks compared to Malcolm Brown. That's five players compared to just one had fewer tackles for loss and fewer sacks. I mean, it's just, that's crazy. Uh, also the speed downfield, uh, we talked about that and why you're so convinced there, Uh, and then finished up with the the discussion on the OU and and K-State incoming quarterbacks. All right. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for listening to this edition of uh, On Texas Football. Please consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com. It's where Ian and I publish our work daily uh, and also meet and talk with you on the message boards as well. Please consider a uh, subscription to this uh, audio and video cast uh, on the bottom right-hand portion of your Screen There should be a subscribe button that's free of charge. All right. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for listening.
0: So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.